Hello and welcome to the post-NBA uh, draft edition of the Step Over Pod. I am uh, Jim Adair. With me, as always, is Max Rappaport. Max, uh, interesting night last night. How you feel? Very conflicted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I am very happy that they got Matisse Thibault. We talked about him a lot. Uh, he was the guy I wanted all along. I hate the process of how they got there and everything, especially hate everything else last yeah. night. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of things happened uh, in case uh, someone for some reason didn't see the draft. And it's like, I'll just listen to this stupid podcast to see what happened last night. Uh, I'll try to run it down as, as quickly and as simply as I possibly can before we go deeper. Uh, the Sixers entered with picks 24, 33, 34, 42, and 54. Uh, and Jonathan Simmons uh, on the roster. And they left with uh, Matisse Thibel, uh Mariel Shayok, who they picked at 54. Thibel, they traded 24 and 33 up to number 20 uh, with the Celtics uh, to grab. Ended up um, with a super protected uh, 31 to 54. If it goes in there, they get it from the Hawks, 22nd or 2022nd pick. Um, a 2023 uh, second rounder of the highest of the Hawks, Hornets, or Nets second. Uh, a super-duper protected uh, Miami 2024 second, most likely a fake second. And a total of $3 million. Uh, not super sexy, not super exciting. Um, but before we go into everything else, let's talk about the guy they did walk away with at number 20 after all. Uh, Max is his number one guy on his list, my cl- very close number two guy. Uh, and hilariously, my number one guy who Max hated went number 11 overall uh, to the very confusing Phoenix Suns now. Uh, but Max, let's talk about Matisse Thibault for a second. Yeah, I really like his fit on this team. Um, and I think, I think too, like he's talked about as a guy with a, a low ceiling and a high floor. And I, I don't know if I totally agree with that. I think, he, I think it's true that he has a, a high floor just because he comes in with an elite skill, which is uh, defense and just ability to disrupt. Um, but I really see him as a guy who could blossom into uh, picking a 20, 20, 24, whenever in that range, like who could blossom into a really good starter. Um, I don't think he has like star potential, but I think he could be uh, Trevor Ariza, Robert Covington, um, maybe like a Batum if he's able to expand his game a little bit and his shooting is more consistent. It's been kind of up and down and we can talk about that. Uh, but I, I don't think he's, yeah, I think people are comparing him to like Andre Roberson I don't think that's fair. One, because I think he has more potential than Roberson. And two, Roberson has never shown an ability to shoot. He's a very one-dimensional player with a huge flaw, and I don't think Matisse Seibel is that. I think he's a 3-and-D player whose three-point shot, had, like Covington, has been up and down. And when it's on, he's super valuable, and when it's not, he is more one-dimensional. But I think, uh, given the fact that there are some indicators that he can be a really good shooter, right? His his free throw uh, percentage has been hovering around 80%. I think this year was like 84, 85%. Um, his form looks decent. He's able to, his catch and shoot numbers are pretty good. Like, I think there are a lot of things that make you think he can develop that skill and perfect that and become a really valuable player. Um, and I just, I just really like his game and really like what he brings to the table. And I think he is um, at picking a 20 or in the 20s he has one elite skill which is just being being able to disrupt like he averaged three and a half steals and two blocks a game as a senior at the wing uh mm-hmm. playing mostly on the perimeter in a, in a zone defense so i i think um to me if you're getting a guy who has that kind of elite like 
game-changing skill, like single skill, and then you're hoping um, can develop in other ways. I I have a lot of confidence in that, more than I did with some of the other prospects there who just felt like uh, whatever their weakness was, um, I didn't see as much, you know, I'm talking, I guess, specifically about Cameron Johnson, who, like you said, went 11th. Uh, but I, there were some other guys in that range, Ty Jerome, who I just saw as having real deficiencies that I don't know how they overcome, whereas Thibault has just really been inconsistent in that one area. Yeah, Ty Jerome, worth pointing out, uh, who eventually was picked with uh, the 24 pick, which the Sixers uh, sent to Boston. Um, I like Thibault a lot, too. I think he's he's he played in his own defense in college, which people kind of have this question mark about, but the the modern NBA defense, especially on a team like the Sixers, where they rely on switching so much, does borrow a lot from a zone. It's not directly strict man to man. And also, if someone's playing defense in a zone, then they gotta kind of hone those instincts of cutting into passing lanes. And you know, especially because he he was he's not a big, and he played in a zone and still constantly blocked shots, which is. Tells you two things about him. One, that his his lateral quickness and his defensive awareness is very high, where he can get to the rim and block, but also that his athleticism and his defensive IQ is so high where he's blocking jump shots, um, which no matter what kind of defensive scheme you're playing is is a very, very unique and very uh, bankable skill. Uh, ben Simmons blocks a ton of, of jump shots as well, um, but people just generally don't do that very much at the pro level because they don't really play zone defenses, but... That just tells you a lot, I think, about his athleticism, his defensive IQ, his work ethic. Um, and I think that's great. And I think unlike a lot of defensive prospects, too, that you see coming out of college where it's a lot of um, they're great scheme defenders. And this is not a, a, a dig at anybody who is described this way or plays this way. It's just an observation. Who are great scheme defenders or great team defenders or are kind of almost like lockdown one-on-one defenders. Um, Thibault has, like... It's like sexy defense, right? It's just blocks and steals numbers. He, he, lo- he can lock you down, something like that, but the fact that he gets the stats too um, is great not only for what he brings to your team, but also as an entertainment product, right? It's, it's cool to see blocks and steals, and it's easy. Um, I think it would be easier for him to translate that to the NBA, especially with um, people watching the game and not, you know, looking super deep in X's and O's, like, because a lot of us don't like doing that, and I myself is included in that. Um, where you can still see that he's very impactful on defense just by watching the game. You don't have to go back and watch game tape and watch X's and O's. You can just watch him play and go, that guy's good. Uh, and that's great because I think that'll take some pressure off of him as well uh, to take time and develop his corner three game, his offensive game in a certain way. Um, because he himself said in the press conference today, and Elton Brand said as much, um, that it's a 3 and D situation. I mean, it's it's hard to just say, I'm solely a defensive prospect, because no one really wants to hear that. But um, he's going to be focusing on being your 3 and D guy, and part of that is the 3 part. And he didn't do great at that last year in college, did better the years before, but uh, we'll see what happens with that in the pros. But I think it's... It's about as good as you could have expected with the way the first half of that draft shook out, whether you traded up for him at 20 or got him at 24, right? Now, I listened back um, to our last week's pod to a certain extent because I wanted to hear exactly what I said about when teams make promises to players because I kind of nailed it, to be honest with you. Um, But something we said on last week's pod, and I'll get to the promise thing in a second, is that 
you you actually brought this idea up, and I agree with you that like if you need to use one of those seconds to move up to get the guy you want, and we were speaking specifically about Thibel, then we were fine with it. I think in our minds we were thinking you'd use 42 or 54 or a future second to do that. But we said we'd be fine with that. And, and if, if number 33 was the cost to move up, then number 33 was the cost to move up to get the guy you really wanted. Now, <coughs> what, that, sorry, what that says about Elton and the front office and their ability to maybe pull on the reins a little bit instead of saying, this is the guy we want and we're going to get on no matter what it costs, which we've seen probably with Jimmy Butler and probably with Tobias Harris and now probably with Matisse Thibel. Um, you're not going to win a lot of trades that way. But if you get the guys you want and you put together an incredible team and you win championships, you don't have to win trades, right? Uh, that's going to be where we go here, from here. But I do want to talk about the promise for a second, if that's cool with you, Max. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Enzo's... Yeah. Uh, Freaking out about a dog in the back, so it, it distracted me a little bit. Um, Enzo didn't love the trades last night. No, he he is voicing his displeasure about both no. the trades and also uh, the neighbor dog. So, sorry, can you ask? <laughs> yeah, I lost no, I was, you for for a second there. I was like, I could see that he was about to bark, so I was like, had my yeah. eye on him. I'm just, I was just gonna uh, kind of dive into talking about the team making a promise for a second because I wanted yeah. to bring that up again. Because I said last week um, that the dangerous thing about having a promise publicized, and that's going to happen because the NBA as a league, and all sports leagues really, but the NBA I feel like especially, is a league where there's no secrets. Everybody knows everything, it seems like. There's never any, there's very few surprises uh, when it comes to trades or free agency. Everything's kind of, everybody knows everything, it seems like. So when you promise a team, and, and Elton has made a very pointed effort in today's press conference and last night's presser to not use the word promise to avoid talking about the idea of a promise and to essentially say reading through the lines there was no promise made we made it clear that we were interested and his agent decided to shut it all down which i don't buy uh but what whether you buy it whether you buy here's the thing, whether you buy that or not, or whether it's true or not, doesn't matter in this situation. Because what matters in this situation is it seemed to the league that the Sixers had promised to take Thibel at 24. And then what happens in that case is when someone's there at 20, say the Boston Celtics, for example, and probably thinks to themselves, "We'd like to have Matisse Thibel. You know, we like him. We maybe we're not super in love with him, but we'll take Matisse Thibel." And then they take him, and whether they take him and then wait for the Sixers to call or they pick up the phone and say, we're taking Thibault. What do you give us for him? Then they kind of have you over a barrel and it's a, it's a, a barrel of your own making. And that's when you lose pick number 33. And now you can argue the the value of second rounders till you're blue in the face, but 33 is the highest of your four second rounders. It is a very high second round pick. And the guys who went at 33 and 34, two of the picks they did own and two of the picks they got rid of, I think would have contributed on this team. You can talk about how Elton said championship contending teams don't have, you know, young guys getting minutes in the playoffs, which I will talk about again later because I think that's horseshit uh, for a couple of different reasons. Sorry, I thought I told myself I wouldn't curse as much as that guy said we won't curse. Sorry, guy. Don't listen to this podcast around your kids anyway. It's a bad podcast to expose kids to. Um then you have I lost my train of thought because I cursed that's what happened um, we're off to a great start on this podcast yeah fantastic dogs are barking I'm losing my train of thought um, 
I just think that having to give up essentially the most valuable of your four remaining assets to move four spots because you made it obvious that you wanted a guy and then a team caught you with your hand in the cookie jar is a bad look. And if it only costs you 33 and then down the line, Thibault turns out great. That's great. But Carson Edwards was a guy I think we both liked. Um, I think a lot of people liked, but I'm talking specifically about the two of us. And as I tweeted last night, and I'll cut the profanity out of my tweet from last night, after trading out at 33 to move up four spots, Thibault better be good, and Carson Edwards better be Shane Larkin. Otherwise, I don't like this trade. I liked your Shane Larkin tweet last night because I, I do. That is like the exact guy that he'll be if he doesn't pan out. And yeah. I feel like that is, I feel like we underrate how likely it is that he will just be Shane Larkin at this point. Yeah. Um, sure. Because it feels it's like he's going to be Isaiah possible. Thomas. Um, I'm, I'm like of two minds about the, the idea of a promise. Um, I think it go, it cuts both ways, right? Like you look, you look at how the teams chuck out. Um, you had the Timberwolves drafting Cameron Johnson. You had the Celtics at 14 taking Romeo Langford. Uh, you have the Magic drafting Chumo KK. Like, um, the Spurs taking Simonich. Like, you never know if, if, if you don't make that promise and Matisse Seibel is going and working out for those teams. It's possible the Spurs or the Pacers or the Nets or one of those teams really likes him um, and takes him before you even have a chance. So I don't think... I don't hate the idea of, of of telling an agent, telling a player, hey, we really like you. Don't work out for anyone else. When you're there at 24, we're going to take you. Um, my feeling about it is, unless they felt like Matisse Thibault is so much the guy that they need to do this, they can't they can't pass that up. Like I think there were a lot of good players who were still available. Um, Keldon Johnson was still on the board. Kevin Porter Jr. was still there. Nick Claxton, mm-hmm. um, Carson Edwards, of course. Like there were guys. If they, I think the idea of making a promise is fine, but don't feel like you have to trade up to get that guy. Unless the Sixers really think Matisse Thybulle is like such a, a game changer versus these other guys. Which like I love Thybulle. I don't know if I feel that way about him. Um, I think giving up thirty three hurts, but I I don't. I guess I don't feel like that. That feels within the realm of if you think he's the guy, it's it's probably worth that thirty third pick. Um, I guess I don't blame, I don't like knock them for for making the promise. Um, I sure. think much more. I'm upset about how the rest of the draft shook out, uh, shaked out, uh, shook mm-hmm. out. Um, I'm much more upset about what happened thirty four on than I am about that one trade. I think that trade on its own was you're giving up probably more value than you should have to. Uh, it they went for it and it didn't work right. Like the, the offering them the promise, similar to what happened with the Magic and the Sixers uh, around Alfred Payton. You know, yep. sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. Whatever. Uh, I think they really compounded the problem by then. Uh, I don't even know what to say about what they did in the second round. I mean it. It just well, didn't be- make any before, sense to Before me. we get yeah. to that, real quick, I just wanted to make a note since you mentioned Nick Claxton. Nick Claxton went number 31 overall, the first pick yeah. in the second round. Just as a fun note, I'm not saying... I think this is just interesting. I'm not judging this trade at all. I just think it's interesting to look at these things. As You're not judging this to, trade? Please no, do. The one, I, the, one the one I'm about no, to I know, No, I know, but yeah, you I should know. also judge that. But trade. I'm not No, I'm not going to relitigate, relitigate all these trades. It's just This stuff interests me as a person who wants me to flow chart out all this shit. Uh, the number 31 pick, which was used by the Nets to pick Nick Claxton, 
uh, originally was with the Knicks. Uh, and the Sixers acquired it in 2014 uh, when they traded the Knicks Arnett Moultrie and they got, in return, Travis Outlaw in a 2019 second. So that was the Knicks pick. Uh, the Sixers got rid of that pick and sent it to Brooklyn when, along with Nick Stauskas and Jalil Okafor when they got back Trevor Booker. So For what, two weeks? A yeah, month? something like that. So that's where that pick ended up, and it would have still been here if that trade had not happened or whatever. If you had just bought out Jalil Okafor, as I said, many, many times that you should have, and then just either do the same with Nick Stauskas or just do nothing with him and let his contract go out or whatever, you would have still had that second. But I'm not really getting that trade. So that's that. Uh, before we get into the rest of the second round, which I think we'll both have a lot to say about, uh, why don't we take a, a brief uh, a brief break here? Let's do it. And we're back. Uh, so, Max, uh, we have now discussed uh, picks 20 slash 24 and 33 uh, when we lost our, our, our thick lawed uh, Carson Edwards. Uh, and now we're, we're, we're inching our ways into the second round. Uh, when Carson Edwards was, was picked at 33 in a pick owned by the Celtics, uh, at that point we all believed that we had still owned 34. In the, in the interim between 33 and 34 being made is when uh, the trade was announced uh, at the 34th pick, which was used to take Bruno Fernando, another player we both uh, very much liked. Uh, and before we start talking about what they did with that, just to lay it out exactly, uh, with the 34 pick, after trading it for 57 and then trading out of 57, so just for the 34 pick alone... Um, they have that Hawk second that I mentioned. That's only if it's 31 to 54 next year. Uh, the highest of a Hawks Hornets Nets second in 2023. Uh, a super protected 2024 Miami second. And two a fake dollars. second, if you will. Fake second and $2 million. It's not good. Fun. Yeah. It's really bad. Also, fun, fun enough. Uh, here's a fun thing. So for 34, essentially, which became 57... They got for actually for pick fifty seven. They got two million dollars. They had to give up Jonathan Simmons and forty two to get one million dollars in in free space on their books. That's fun. That's a fun thing. Don't forget about the future picks. But we're, well, yeah, the quote unquote future picks. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's oh man, I, I just don't, I just don't get it. Like you you kind of had things fall into your lap. Uh, I mean, when we talked about our top guys, I made a list right on the, the day of the draft. Um, I had Matisse Seibel number one. I had Carson Edwards number three. Mm-hmm. And I had Bruno Fernando number four on okay. the list. Bruno Fernando's there at 34. Um, even if you don't take him, you still have Gafford. You have uh, Pascal. You have Admiral Schofield, who later they, or Schofield, who they later trade uh, the pick, or they, they had already traded the pick at that point for cash, mm-hmm. basically. Uh, Bull Bull's still out there. If you just want to take a flyer on him, he ends up going at 44. Um, I, I just I just don't really understand why a team like the Sixers that needs cheap depth right now, why mm-hmm. you would kick the can on 34 after losing 33. Right. If they, if they had had both and they wanted to do that with 34 after taking Edwards or taking whoever at 33, if they still had it, or the other way around, if you, you know... If you knew you know you're not going to have 33, just pick someone at 34 and 
call it a day. Like I, I just have a hard time imagining there wasn't a single guy on their board who they liked at 34 with, with all the guys who were still there. Yeah. Um, and it just doesn't make sense given what they need right now. Um, right. and just, and they like, honestly, the, the cap ramifications, like, um, you need guys who, uh, don't factor into your cap space in free agency. Potentially you're going to need that. Um, and who ca- who factor in as as you know a minimum slot, uh, but who you can expect to like step in and maybe play ten minutes as as a right. as a rookie, you know. Mm-hmm. And now they're in a position where they're going to need to basically fill like six spots with minimum free agents this right. summer. Okay. I, here's here's what I have to say about this. And yeah. I want to say this: it's a fifteen man roster, right? Going into this year, you're going to have a majority of your money tied up in three players. Let's 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 go ahead and assume that it's a Jimmy and Tobias return deal, and if it's not, then it's a Jimmy return deal, and a majority of, if not all of, the money you would have given to Tobias under the cap was going to go to another player, right? So it's still a three-player thing. Then you're going to extend Ben Simmons, so then next year all of your money is going to be tied up in four players. Again, it's a 15-man roster, uh, so you have all those spots at the very bottom of the roster that you could use, like you said, very cheap, very cost-effective flyers on guys. If they work out, they work out. If they don't, they don't, but they don't really cost you much, right? And that comes, that, they don't cost you much in money nor roster space because two, three guys at the bottom of 15, team's only going to run out 10 to 11 guys a night anyway, right? They'll be G League, spending time in the G League. They'll be doing whatever. And the argument that Elton Brand is making is that on championship-contending teams... You don't have these rookies that step in and contribute in, in year one. And that's a fair argument. That, that's true in 99% of the cases. But looking at the Raptors this year, right? Fred Van Vliet, who was undrafted, is in his third year, and he helped them immensely in the finals, right? If you look at the... and Pascal Siakam, uh, second or third year, right? And he was 27th pick in the first round, but that's... You know, that, that's kind of the first round, third round, or second round area there blurs. If anything, Siakam actually costs you a, a cap hold there, uh, being drafted in the first round. If you go back to the Warriors' first championship, where Draymond Green, a second rounder, uh, was in his second year and helped them immensely, where uh, the 30th pick, Festus Azili, who's like nowhere now, but he helped them that year, right? These are young guys who came in and impacted, not in the most immense way outside of Draymond, but they helped. They weren't in their first year. However, you had to pick them at some point. I don't understand why we're talking about this team as if it's next year or bust. You're about to give a five-year max to Jimmy Butler, not a one-year contract. Why are we talking about this year and this year only? Is the plan now to pay all these monies to your big guys and then just fill out the rest of the spots with one-year contracts of minimum players and then just wholesale flipping the bench every year with other minimum players until you hope something works out? Because I don't think that's going to help. That's not... like do, they, do the players that you pick in the second round contribute this year? Maybe not. Probably not. Do they contribute ever? Maybe not. But you can't just parade in new cheap veterans every single year if you run back Toby and Jimmy, then you have to extend Ben Simmons, right? Like I was saying, you have so much money invested in this. You have a small slice of the cap to actually work with. And 
if the, if you don't think this you're going for next year and you don't think these second rounders are going to contribute now, then why would you use your second rounders next year instead of selling them or the year after or the year after or the year after? You're just going to keep selling the picks because they're not going to contribute the next year. That makes no sense to me. There's all this stuff about going from, you know, process to progress, if you'll say that, right? You have to balance out winning right now with also looking to the future. And they're not doing that. And that concerns me. We'll see what happens for free agency. It seems like the modern thing now in the past couple of years is that no one, unless you're a high-impact player, no one really gets a more than a one-year deal. And I just don't think you can just keep flipping the bench over until something sticks every single year. And that's the way it's kind of looking out to me. It's going to take a lot to do with what happens in free agency, but that is my biggest takeaway from this, that they're not investing in the future in these low-risk, you know, low-chance reward too, but very low-risk guys when they have the spots just for some cash. And that seems really dumb and short-sighted to me. Totally. Not, not to mention, um, I mean, the whole thing, the whole idea is flawed, right? Like, you take these players and you don't have to roster them right these aren't right. first round picks these are guys who you bring them in for training camp especially at 42 you know you bring a guy in yep. admiral schofield whoever um if they don't look like they belong um maybe you can reach an agreement on a two-way contract maybe you just cut them at the you know at the end of camp uh, or mm-hmm. don't sign them to a guaranteed contract um or you do and they're the 15th guy on your roster and who gives a fuck because you're gonna need right. to fill out the roster with bullshit anyway like because it's um, also worth mentioning that we're at a point now where you can roster 20 guys. Yeah, so, for, for now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you can give them that summer league flyer, and they're doing that with, with undrafted guys, and that's fine, but the guys who fell out of the draft are most likely not as good as the guys you get at 33, 42, even 54, in most cases. So why not just take those picks instead of just kicking them down the line, selling them? Um, and then honestly, the tone from Elton that like anyone who's questioning drafting second rounders as being a silly idiot I didn't appreciate either I'll be honest about that um, it just doesn't make any sense because like I said like, it, it, you, every, the idea is that you have your guys you pay a lot of money to you use your exceptions and then you fill out the roster with these guys that cost the vet minimum right do people realize that most of the guys who cost the vet minimum are going to be your Jonathan Simmonses they're not going to be like this this secret superstar or this secret guy who can like help every time he hits the floor that you're getting away with paying the vet minimum to. It's not really going to happen. You're going to have a lot of Jonathan Simmonses and Bobons on your roster. And that didn't do it last year. It's probably not going to do it next year or the year after. You have to work the margins in here with free agency, yes, but also when you have these chances with these four second-round picks. You don't have to make all four. I said before they're not going to make all four, but it'd be nice to make one. Not to mention too, you can draft. You can draft in the stash. You can, you know, or um, package a couple of them for a future, for, you know, for a first round pick in a couple of years or something. The selling picks is just such a, a fucking farce. Yeah, uh, and I, I, you know, if you want to sell fifty seven, like they ended up doing, fine. Like yeah. you know, you're three picks away from being able to sign someone as an undrafted free agent. Selling forty two is like malpractice. Mm-hmm. Like that, that is too high a pick to to justify selling it for. Right what amounts to $300,000 in, in cap relief at a time when it's not even clear they're going to need that money. Like 
there are very few scenarios that I was able to to work out where that three hundred thousand dollars makes a difference. And even when it does, like if if I ran the numbers and um, I think I'm right on this, but if they keep Tobias Harris, lose Jimmy Butler, and renounce everyone else, the three hundred and thirty four thousand dollars, whatever, actually does make a difference with their potential to reach a maximum contract. But they could also just dump Jonah Bolton. Like, that would yeah. be another way of getting to that money. Or they could trade Zyre Smith. Like, if you're going to be able to get Kawhi Leonard, you just do that. Like, you don't need right. to... I mean, not that, like, giving up Zaire is better than giving up the 42 pick. But, like, there are plenty of other ways. This isn't, like, a necessity that you do this right now. Um, mm-hmm. It just didn't make sense to me. Um, the cap relief... Unless there's something... You know, Elden Brand did say, like, during his press conference, which I think... Overall was not great. Like he just, like you said, his his attitude about it was kind of weird, and also um, didn't really answer a lot of the questions directly, um, specifically about uh, about the cap situation and how you know how well, what the thinking was behind that move in particular. But he said something along the lines of like, "This will make sense." You know, we can't really talk about everything, but this will make sense, and you'll see. So maybe mm-hmm. there's something they have planned that we're unaware of, but I can't I've yet to be able to really figure out what that is beyond that one scenario I mentioned, but even in that scenario there are other ways to do it. It's not like this is the one way in which you'd get there. Also, that three hundred and thirty three or thirty four thousand dollars doesn't even make up for trading from twenty four to twenty, you now have to pay Matisse Thibel about four hundred thousand dollars more than you would have anyway. So you're actually like yep. at a net loss. So if it yeah. was so important, like if they had this this plan that they're going to go get Kawhi Leonard or whatever it is, like you just don't trade it for Matisse Thybul. Like you just stick right. at 24 and take whoever because it fucks up your plan. You don't do that and then have to scramble to, to save $300,000. Like I just, I don't believe that's, I'm, I'll I'll be the first one to say if I'm wrong, but I, I do not believe that was anything more than Josh Harris wanting them to recoup some money because he's going to pay the luxury mm-hmm. tax this year after four years of drastically underpaying uh, right. during the, the, the lean years. Plus, I mean, let's look at it this way, right? So say, I, I think they went into last night's draft going, we're not using a single one of these second round picks. I think they went in there knowing that. Say that's not true. And say they, they, they bit the bullet and traded 33 to move up to 20 because they knew they had to and they were like really anxious about it. They didn't want to do that. But they think to themselves, like, we still have 34 if Carson Edwards falls there, right? And then Carson Edwards goes at 33, or KZ Akpala goes at 32, who they liked. And they're like, all right, well, now there's no one we like, so let's just get rid of 34, right? Why can't 34, 42, and maybe a future second get you to 31 or 32 or 30? That seems doable. Granted, that's only... You would have to have one of those teams pick up the phone and accept your 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 offer, which maybe they would just all say no. But that seems doable. So... That doesn't seem to me... It seems like they were they already wrote those second-round picks off. And also, just as a side note from what you brought up, the last time someone said to me, it might not look like it makes any sense now, but it'll work out in the end, was season six of Lost. And excuse me, again, I'm going to curse. That was some horse shit. So I don't believe it now either. Yeah. It's just kind of baffling. And I want to stress... And I'm getting, like, very uh, animated with my speech because I actually just haven't spoken to anybody really today. I worked from home today. Uh, I'm very excited to be speaking out loud. Um, I'm, not, I'm not angry at this because 
there's still so much that can happen in free agency, right? Like you said, you, we could all look like fools in a week and a half. I don't think we will. Um, and I'm not angry either because I, you know, like I said, there's a, a probably a better than not chance that Carson Edwards is a lot more Shane Larkin than Kemba Walker. But I just think they just like showed their full ass last night. Sorry, I'm cursing again. I got to stop that. Uh, they just, yeah, it, it's... There was a lot going on last night where every time it was like it was like the rake joke, you know the rake joke thing, the Simpsons rake joke. Yeah, where it's like uh, sideshow Bob steps on the rake and it's funny, and then he steps on another rake and it's funny, and then he steps on a couple more rakes and it's like not funny, and then he keeps stepping on rakes and it just becomes so absurd that it's funny again. That was what it was like with them trading out of every pick. First time it was like, oh, of course. Like, like, of course they did. Second time, it's like, oh, now it's kind of funny. Third time, you're like, all right, this is stupid. And then they get the 57, they try to, like, oh, yeah, of course they did. This is actually kind of hilarious the way they're doing this. Uh, and that's how it felt. It was like, oh, so much absurdity to it. Because um, you just don't see a team having four first round picks and just gradually, like, back out of the draft. Like, no, we're good, actually. We're good. I need a nap. Just, you guys can just do whatever. Sim to end. Um,. So, yeah, it was just kind of, you know, a little baffling. Like, we can look back in two years and look back at this entire second round, and every single one of these guys could be out of the league, and it won't matter then. But I still think you take a chance on somebody when you have those picks because of the cost control situation, because of the fact that you can roster them right now and not even actually have to put them on your roster when it comes to cutting down to 15, and because you have such a limited amount of things you can do with the money that you have. So... We'll wait and see. We'll talk about free agency in the next podcast, and we'll kind of dig into this stuff more. But I'm more kind of baffled and, you know, bewildered than anything else. Oh, man. Should yeah. we get to questions? Um, is, this, is this the time for questions? I believe it's time for questions, yeah. Um, do you have any pulled up? You want to just start running down? I do. I can, I can run up. down. Um, uh <laughs> God, what is his name? Uh, Colonel Think Trap Renner, I think. That, that uh, doesn't sound right. Also, at Rumple Crumple. <laughs> That's easier. Yeah. Um, if the team managed to take one player at 34, but the rest of the trades panned out exactly the same, how much better are we feeling right now? So let's assume they, they drafted and retained uh, Bruno Fernando. I would feel significantly better. Yeah, um, I'd still be pissed off about them selling 42 and just not really understand it. I would maybe feel um, a little bit, it would be a little bit easier for me to assume there's there's some uh, some thinking behind that beyond just a million dollars in Josh Harris's pocket. Uh, right. But yeah, I think I really liked Fernando. It would depend on who they, who they would have taken there. If it was a stash player, less so. Um, if it was Fernando, if it was... Uh, looking at the list right now, who else was there? If it was Bol Bol, I, I really like the idea of them of them jumping on that when he fell as far as he did, um, just because I I believe in the potential. Um, if they had taken Daniel Gafford, like there were a few guys I really liked there, I would have felt a lot better, uh, a lot better than I do right now for sure. Right, because like you know, we don't we're not in the in the draft room, right? So they could have been talking. You know, this is just. Play, let me play devil's advocate for a second. They could have been talking to Bruno Fernando and his agent and said, listen, we want to take you at 34, and we'd like to stash you. And they might have said, uh, get the hell out of here. I almost said F off. Uh, 
But they said, like, you know, no, don't do that. And then they're like, all right, well, then we'll get out of the pick. That's a possibility. But then you can, you know, you come out and today you 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 bring in an undrafted free agent guy, most likely just for summer league, who is the markings of everything I like in a basketball player. He's seven four and his name is Christ. And like you could have just drafted somebody. <laughs> like it just seems silly. It seems so silly. But yeah, um, I, if they had made any one of those picks, I would have felt better. Other than fifty, they made fifty four. Yes, Andrew Crow forty two, whatever it was. Well, Andrew Crow asked, "What is our guess for the starting five for game one? Best guess. Honestly, my best guess is the starting five for game eighty two. Unless no, that's not true. Oh, that doesn't they, have Embiid. I hope it's rested, not that. Yeah, yeah. I also think they rested <laughs> Tobias. Uh, so yeah, no, it was just your 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 standard playoff starting five. I think that's then they're gonna go uh, hashtag run it back, and then uh, that motto only goes as far as the top five or six players, which I think is only was where it should go. I just want to also clarify when I, you know, every time I tweet run it back or blah, 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 I'm not talking about like Greg Monroe and Boban and shit. I'm talking about the top. Or cursed again. Mm. Are you talking about, does TJ McConnell make the run it back no. squad? No. No, he's going to really enjoy hanging out with Dario and Phoenix. This, can, we, can we do a quick aside to talk about the Phoenix Suns? Must we? Yes, we must. Just for one thing, you there is a very... That. There is a very real possibility that seems to be shaping up that next year in Phoenix, it will be Rashawn Holmes, Dario Saric, and TJ McConnell. That's amazing. And I'm very upset that the Suns uniforms suck as much as they do because maybe they'd be better than me than the gosh dang Timberwolves wear and sell me a Dario jersey. But, you know. What's the, that's what's the very Phoenix funny equivalent of Prince? Maybe they'll do a nice city edition next year. It's probably Jerry Colangelo. I'm looking up bands from search. Phoenix. I feel like bands from Phoenix are not going to be good. Oh, Jimmy Eat World. <laughs> They're from Arizona. Uh, oh, man. Yeah. From Phoenix is it. rough. There's, like, not anyone that I'm Do seeing. Do a Bleed American-themed look- jersey. Stevie Nicks is from Phoenix. Uh, Michelle Branch. Jordan Sparks. Chester Bennington, apparently, from thefamouspeople.com slash Phoenix, by the way. That's where I'm getting this information. The band Phoenix, not from Phoenix. No, they are from France. Uh, by the way, just for I'm on the Wikipedia now for famous people who are from Phoenix. And under athletics on the right side, where they have pictures of people, they have Muhammad Ali, and then right below Muhammad Ali and above Randy Johnson, it's Jerry Colangelo. Ugh. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whew, okay. So, um, I, I would say that if I had to guess the starting five... Um, I'm actually going to go playoff starting five, but take out JJ and insert Zaire Smith. Cause I really, I, I feel like I'm feeling more and more like JJ might leave. That is kind of the most, that does seem like the most likely um, place where they can, I mean, outside of Tobias, cause it's such a big thing, but I think I would like to keep Tobias and I think they'd try to keep Tobias if Tobias is down. Um, that is where they can kind of do a little bit work with money. Because, like, yeah, you know, it's not a ton, but I think you can do something there with the money you would be paying JJ to do something. But I don't think it's enough to bring in, like, a starting two, probably. So, um, I think that sounds... But do you think it would be Zaire? Instead of, like, somebody else they would sign in free agency? Or? See, I don't know. It, I guess it depends. I guess they'll have the $9 million at that point to spend uh, yeah. on a mid-level guy if they bring back Tobias. So, maybe it's, it's, it's them. Let's just say, insert either Zaire or... 
free agent there. I think that's okay. more likely right now than than JJ coming back and all the others coming back. I will I don't say know why that, yeah. I feel that way. I don't have any information. I just kind of am feeling like that. I feel like he's going to get a lot of money. I feel like the way everything's shaking out, he's going to get offered a bunch of money from like the Nets or somebody. Yeah, that would seem to be my... Uh, I would say the most likely outcome of this offseason is all three of those guys come back. The second most likely is that Jimmy and Tobias come back and JJ doesn't. And I think the third most likely is that Jimmy comes back and both Tobias and JJ leave. That's where I would rank those those situations there. I got another question. Okay. Uh, Mikhail Ice asked, uh, who will play more minutes per game this season? And there's two sets. So the first set is Zaire Smith or Matisse Thibel. So you can answer that first. And then the second one is Shake Milton or Jonah Bolton. Uh, Zaire and Jonah. Well, it depends. I think Jonah will get more opportunity to play position-wise. position But, I mean, he fouls out so often that he racks up fouls so often that I think Jonah will play in more games but fewer minutes than Shake. I'll say that. And I think Zaire will start the season playing many more minutes than than Thibault, and then it'll kind of average out, even out throughout the year. But just because I think they'll have... um, They'll rely more on Zaire in the beginning of the year, then it'll just carry on that way. I think it really depends on um, if uh, Tobias Harris comes back. Because I think the Thibel is the more obvious fit to get minutes right. if you're losing Tobias Harris. Well, let's uh, also let's, let's just realize that, I mean, I hate to bring this up, but we're only about, what, two and a half weeks from uh, Batiste Thibel's like, exploding in Summer League or something, so... Well, I did want to ask. Nobody asked this question, but um, I'll give my answers really quick, and then I'll ask this question. So I'm going to go with Zaire because uh, I agree with what you said. I think I think it probably depends, but I also think Zaire Smith will come in more ready to get minutes than Thibault will. Mm-hmm. Um, although although Thibault is a couple years older than him, so there's there's that too. That true, but I mean you know, Zaire's Thibault's been with the team for a year. Yeah, um, I think Shake Milton gets a lot of minutes this year. A lot is relative, but I think he gets more than Jonah Bolden. I think Jonah Bolden might be kind of. I think it really depends. If he comes in and looks like he did last year, I think he's completely out of the rotation. Um, and maybe he gets traded, like, similar to Rashawn Holmes. Um, I'm really hoping that he can show, you know, flashes of what he was in Israel and in the, the first summer league with the Sixers. But um, last year was definitely a disappointment. Uh, whereas Shake Milton, I think, was really good at times. Um, it does kind of feel if they need to scrounge for some from change from inside the couch, then that would come from Jonah's contract. That does feel... That too, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Zaire makes more money, but I don't think you just give up Zaire to, to free yeah. up cap space. You'd need to be getting right. something back for him. Yep, yep, yep. Jonah, you just give up for nothing or even maybe package with a later, you know, protected second or something. Um, yep. The question I was going to ask that nobody... I was hoping somebody would ask is... Given the way that the last two Sixers rookies have missed time, uh, uh, Markel Fultz, the amazing college scorer for getting how to shoot, uh, uh-huh. Zaire, Zaire Smith, the athletic freak, muscle-bound uh, shooting guard, uh, eating a sesame seed and then losing 40 pounds and mm-hmm. losing all his muscle definition. What is the Correct. most like on-brand injury or ailment or whatever that Matisse Thibel 
could could uh, fall victim to? What would be like the equivalent thing? Uh, it's a very like it feels very like um, the movie Seven. Yeah. You know, it's like it's very like uh, it feels very poetic the way that it's right. happened. Almost like there, it's like a parable of some sort. Yeah, I don't know. There's um, there's this. Uh, I think it's a rare. A rare condition that I saw once on an episode of SVU and also on an episode of Steelitis. No, where um, someone has this disorder in their brain where they're convinced they're dead and that no one around them can, like, see them. Mm. I think that, that seems, like, next in line. Maybe, like, kleptomania. (laughs) Yeah, he gets, yeah, he just keeps stealing shit from the, from the training center and they have to keep finding him. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe his like his his feet like like suddenly grow five sizes and he just can't like walk steadily. He's all thrown off his equilibrium. That could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. He could get a hex put on him. I guess that seems like it's pretty much in the cards. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll all see. We'll see what happens. It's gonna happen at some point. If not to him, then to somebody. Um, let's let's see what else we got here. Uh, Booby Styles asked. I feel like Booby makes a a, a, a uh, an appearance on every podcast at this point mm. in the in the questions. Um, what do we think Josh Harris is going to do with the two million dollars he got for Jordan Bone? I don't. I just. I don't even want to talk about that. It makes me mad. I don't know. I do want to point out though. I don't think you'll get this reference because you haven't watched I Think You Should Leave yet on Netflix, which you should. Um, but uh, fans and so nine pointed out last night that uh, by selling the, right, the rights to Jordan Bone, uh, the bones were quite literally their dollars uh, for the Sixers, which y- you will understand when you watch it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't, what do rich people do with $2 million? Is that uh, like... Put it, put, put it into, uh, into a long-term investment. Yeah, yeah. Somehow screw somebody over using that two million dollars. Yeah, I, I imagine that's like his like his his shoe shine budget for a year. I don't know. No idea. Uh, our friend Patrick Wall asked, "Who are some realistic free agent op- op- options on cheap cheap contracts?" Because that's apparently the move now. Yeah, I mean it's it's see that's such the tricky thing, and we'll get more into that on the next one because. The, the contract that you're able to offer somebody and they will accept to come to you depends very much on what someone else offers them as well. And what we saw yesterday, specifically, uh, <laughs> bless you, Thank uh, you. specifically <laughs> when it comes... All right, um, you're not getting a second one. I'm sorry. That's, you, only get, you get one bless you and that's it. Uh, a third and I'm hanging up. Um, is that there are teams like the Phoenix Suns, right? Or teams like the New York Knicks uh, or teams like the Boston Celtics even, right? Who might have a bunch of cap space and either ineffectual or bad ownership or front offices or just like nothing to really do with that cap space, right? So the Celtics are shaping up to have a lot of money with Horford leaving, with Kyrie leaving. They got Aaron Baines off the books. They're going to have a lot of money. I assume to go after Jangelo Russell. Or, or somebody like that, or Kemba. What if they don't get a guy like that? Then they have a lot of money to spend on a couple of guys uh, that might not be guys worth the money they will spend on them, and then they'll spend that money on that person, 
and it'll screw up the whole system because they'll be like, that guy got that much money. I want this much money, which is fair and is within their rights to do so. But then who gets minimum contracts and who's willing to come to your team for a minimum contract kind of goes out the window um, with like what you can expect. I mean, just look at, I mean, it was, it was an outlier of a year, but like Tyler Johnson got like a hundred million dollars. It was wild. Um, but if you look at the guys last year in the league who are going to be unrestricted free agents who made, say they made last year like $4 million or less, right? Um, now, there are people in, in that realm like a Brooke Lopez who will make more than that this year. Um, but you have people like Ekpe Udo, who could be a possibility for a backup center. Uh, you have Seth Curry, who I think might get a little bit more than that this year, but he's technically maybe a possibility. Um, yeah, I Adonis Haslam is 45 years old. He's still in the league. Yeah. Um, you know, you have people like, you know, if Channing Fry decides not to retire fully, uh, he's 36 years old. Uh, Bo- but then if Boban you look at the list, could be, Boban could be one, honestly. Right. Honestly, if you look at the list, and this is what I was kind of the point I was kind of making when it comes to cheap salaries earlier. If you look at the list of guys who were paid the least uh, for a full season, essentially last year, who are going to be free agents this year, you come across a lot of Sixers. You come across Amir Johnson. Uh, you come across James Ennis. You come across, you know, Furkan Korkmaz, who they can only give X amount of money to. You come across people like Timothy Luwabu Cabarro and Rashawn Holmes and TJ McConnell. Uh, Austin Rivers is in there, I guess, is a possibility. Uh, Nick Stauskas. Nick Yeah, exactly. These are the kinds of guys. Salah Mejri, who actually I don't think I would hate as a, as a backup five. Anthony um, Oliver. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at people like Repco. Tim Frazier. People like Jody Meeks. Yeah. Yeah. So... Those are going to be your minimum contract guys that you bring in. Unless somebody's really willing to just say, screw it, I want to go to a team. I think the Sixers will win it this year. I want to help the team win it, and I'll take a lot less money to do so. But that's not going to be a common uh, refrain among many people, I don't think. Yeah, so it's, we'll it's it's really tough. I, I, think, I think there is going to be, I think they'll get at least like a couple, I wouldn't even say ring chasers, but guys who come in, who otherwise might be able to make a little bit more money, you know, playing for the Hornets, but will come to the Sixers or the Pistons, like a come to the Sixers, like like a Luol Deng. Yeah, yeah, that's about the that's about the level I'm thinking. Um, yeah, yeah, maybe if you're lucky, yeah. it's like I don't even know, man. I'm like looking at it, it's it's depressing. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, moving on, I, and we'll talk more about free agency, and hopefully there'll be a little bit more, um, a little bit more clarity on what on what it looks like, um, what it looks like uh, the Sixers are planning to do, what it looks like Tobias Harris is going to do before we yeah. get to our our preview podcast. Hopefully, we don't go into uh, into the day of not really knowing because that'd be super stressful. Yeah, I think the the I mean we're asking now, especially since in the in the light of the draft last night and the whole conversation we just had about who you fill out your 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 the margins of your team with, and you saw last year that that was important because if their if their bench was better, they they may have won that series. I'm not gonna say they would have, but it's, it's very believable they would have won the Toronto series if their bench, specifically their backup five position, wasn't just a a hole in the side of a boat, right? Um, mm-hmm. so that's rightfully a lot of people's focuses. 
But I think you get to that after you figure out the Jimmy Tobias, JJ stuff. And that's the stuff I think that's going to be uh, – your biggest wish for that, whether they come back or not, is that it's figured out quickly. Uh, Because you don't want to be left – I was going to say a curse word again. Uh, with with your your hopes in your hand, uh, waiting to hear back from Tobias Harris while all the people are getting snatched up, and then he goes somewhere else. Um, so you just hope, whether it's they sign here or not, that it's figured out very quickly. Um, so hopefully that'll be something that's, that we we know by the fourth. That'd be nice. Uh, way earlier would actually be really nice, like the first or the second. I think um, if they're coming back, we're going to know right away. I, I'd I hope we'll so. Know. I think we'll know really early. I feel like, I feel like, the 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 vibe I'm getting, and again, I don't know anything. No one tells me a god dang thing. Um, is that Jimmy knows where he's going and what deal he's getting, whether it's here or elsewhere? And I feel like Tobias is still being courted. I feel like Jimmy is done, whether it's anywhere, where it's somewhere else, or here. He he knows, and it'll be it'll be figured out quickly. I don't think he wants to wait around. This is against the vibe I'm getting, and I think Tobias is more, you know, being courted by by teams that he might listen. To, that might take a little bit longer on Tobias. Um, I'm looking at questions. Uh, I'm out of questions from my end. But I'm looking at some of the ones on your tweet. Uh, a lot of them are, are things that we touched on already. A lot of them specifically about that Boston trade. Um, I don't know if there's a whole lot else. Uh, mm-hmm. All's for us today. I mean, we'll I be back. We'll be back really soon because we have, you know, it's the twenty first today, Friday. Um, we really have about a week, week and a yeah. few days before we're we're going to come back with a um, preview podcast for the for free agency, and then after that, uh, probably wrap up a like early summer league slash once things actually happen in free agency podcast. Right. Yep. Uh, I will say, because I'm so often wrong about most things, that I want to once again call out myself for being right about something on last week's pod, or like, uh, less than a week ago, or whatever. Uh, I did say that Taco Fall would go undrafted, and he did. It wasn't the world's most risky prediction, but I was correct. I still really want him for Summer League, even though we already have a, a freak tall guy. I, I Put them want. both out there, man. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Although I, I, I think we saw the limitations of that with Boban last year. I don't know if that's something I'm willing to entertain again. Even though I just said Salah Mejri, who's essentially the same, he's just enormous and that's the whole Bob- thing. He's like Boban without the court vision, basically. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a good point. Yeah. All, All right. right. Anyway, we, my brain is broken. There? Yeah, we should. All right, well, we'll be back in a few days uh, to look ahead to free agency and hopefully recap any news that comes up. Um, mm-hmm. And then back again after that once they actually do things in free agency. Yeah, barring any uh, uh, crazy rumors or Patella explosions, uh, we'll be back uh, day before free agency, most likely. Uh, so thanks for listening, uh, and we'll talk to you next time. See ya.